Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Zach Berman, and we have a special guest with us today, defensive end, Chris Long. Hey, Chris, why don't you say hi to everybody? What's up, dudes? It's, uh, this is kind of a rarity for us getting a player, but um, you know, I think there's a lot of questions about Chris and his future, and, and uh, I thought it would be great to have him on to kind of just clear things up rather than have my uh, my crappy writing destroy his uh, his words. <laughs> well, it, it always it always seems more self-important if I'm like, yeah, let's do an article. Like yeah, anybody well, really wants to take the time to read an article about me, I just figure like if they're listening, yeah. Well, I guess what I can do is provide context, but uh, I think you're pretty good at that yourself. Uh, so let's just get right into it. I mean, I think there's kind of a little misunderstanding about what you're, what, you know, what's going on with you in terms of the, uh, your future in the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only reason, and I, I kind of tried to just stay pretty chill about this and not talk about it a lot because it is a tough decision to make. Any player that's like figuring out what they want to do, you know, the next year, especially when it's the end of their career. Uh, you know, it's it's tough, but I listen. I mean, I've been pretty consistent all along, uh, and you know this. Like last year and whatnot, you're asking me, "Well, you can be back next year." This, that, and third. My thing has always been, yeah. I mean, for the right role, I'll keep playing football, and I feel good, and I felt like I I played my strongest uh, football at the end of the year. Um, had some things going on in the first half of the year, got healthy, and kind of simultaneously with everything with BB, I got more snaps and. You know, my role the past couple of years in Philly has been a third down guy. You know, in fact, that's what's made it uh, a lot easier to stomach being a quote unquote backup and whatnot, whatever those words mean to you or anybody else. But, you know, my role was always, hey, listen, we need you on third down. You know, that's what you still do at a high level. And, you know, do I think I could start somewhere? Sure. Um, now it's also my job to think highly of myself because that's the only thing you do as a player. But, you know, uh, that third down thing is a big part of it. And, you know, I was kind of in so many words told, hey, listen, we want you back. But and I appreciate them being up front. But, you know, you're not quite in the cards uh, to have the same role. And, you know, my role was probably going to be diminished. But you know, it's not out of a lack of them wanting me back. I think they want me back as a deaf guy. Um, but at 34, you know, with my experience and what I've done and then, you know, still believe it in myself and playing at a high level, I'm not going to, it's too hard on my body, on my family, on everybody else to kind of go through it, uh, for a role that's far from perfect. I mean, um, and, and, and so I do appreciate them being straight up with me, you know, still want me back, but just not kind of in the same role. And, and I, and one thing I've been worried about, was people thinking I was holding them hostage. I mean, a lot of people have, have been like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, I even, somebody yesterday was like, Hey, we could have got uh, Frank Clark, but you, you were, you're just milling around and you didn't know <laughs> what's going on. I'm like, okay. I mean, I think that's where that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So, I mean, I told them this uh, maybe a month ago. I said, you know, Hey, listen, I would just plan like I'm not going to be back. Uh, Things can change, uh, but I don't want to hold you all up in the process of free agency or the draft. Not that I'm that important, but, um, you know, I kind of told them to do their thing. And so I have not been holding them hostage. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing them really good luck tonight in the draft. I'm sure they might address, you know, some guys on the D-line. And uh, they, they know my deal. I've been up front with them. They've been up front with me. And I appreciate that about, you know, Allie and Doug and those guys. So. 
And so, Chris, as a, as a follow-up to that, what role would bring you back? Is it the role you well, had the it, past two years? It, yeah, it, ain't, it, it really ain't happening. I mean, like, as far as, uh, listen, like, stranger things have happened. I, I don't I don't root for anything to change because for something to change, somebody would have to be hurt. Like, and, uh, you know, I just don't see it right now, the way things are lining up and that's fine. It's a business. I hold no ill will. Uh, I've loved every minute of being in Philly. Um, and literally if it were any other city or any other franchise, I, I would be taking a hard look at it, but you know, I've taken a hard look at it. And it's just, it's hard to imagine coming back as just a depth guy, um, who's not really going to rush the passer because that's kind of what what I still do at a relatively high level. And I've been, you know, one of, if not your most productive edge guy the past couple of years. I'm not slighting anybody, but I've been, you know, consistent and I've got a lot of snaps on third down. If that, you know, if that's not the case anymore, that's, that's, that's fine. But it's just, uh, I'm too old to be going through everything for something that's just not perfect for both sides. So, um, yeah, the, the main thing is, I listen, I, I don't hold people hostage. I don't hold – I've been very honest with Howie, how he's been honest with me, and that's been a good relationship. So I appreciate that. And uh, they have no doubt about where my head's at. But, you know, I have a number of people like, hey, I think it's unfair that you haven't made a decision yet. And while I haven't made a decision as for, like, whether I'm retiring or not, um, a lot can change. But I've definitely told the Eagles where I stand. So I'm not – I'm not holding anybody up. Chris, it, it sounds like you still want to play, though. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, like, listen, like, I want a lot of things. <laughs> You're not going to get them all uh, in life. And so, listen, like, you know, at the end of the year, I felt like I played well. Um, if they don't necessarily feel the same way about it um, or they feel like there's better options, that's fine. I Like, this isn't me complaining. This is just me saying, listen, um, I'd love to play football in the right situation, but that's the reality of like guys at the end of their career, the options become less. Um, and you listen, this is a team that's going to be right in the hunt for another Super Bowl. So they got to do what they got to do to, to, to get better. Well, if I may offer some context too, so you're under contract for one more year. I am. Yeah, I am. And, you know, things, like I said, things can change, but just to be straight up about what's going on, like it's, it's, uh, listen, I, when I came out of it in the off season, that loss really sucked because that was the first time personally that I've ever lost a playoff game. <laughs> Not that like, but like, you know, to lose for eight years and never sniff it and then to win two Super Bowls, I never knew and I never thought about it until I was sitting in the locker room after New Orleans that I'd never felt that feeling. And it really, it, you know, going to the Super Bowl to do the Walter Payton thing and whatnot, I was down on the field watching some old friends, LA, New England, and I was like, man, I wish we were here. And I felt like we had a real shot. Um, so that, that fire never went out for me. You know, I still have it, but, uh, but you know, it's not the worst thing in the world if this doesn't work out and I'm healthy and I walk away from ball. So that's kind of yeah. where I'm at. Well, I remember you telling me last year, I mean, one of the main reasons why you came back was because you just couldn't, you didn't want to be sitting at home watching those guys get back to the Super Bowl without you. Yeah. I didn't want to watch a repeat. Like, I, I would have been happy for everybody. I mean, it's not one of those things. But, like, you like, fear missing out. You definitely don't want to 
to be on the couch watching your team repeat. And of course, last year, I think going into the season, there was a lot more clarity for me. So well, there's just not as much clarity this year. And, and I know how these things go. I worked real hard to earn people's trust around there. And, and I'm not going to at 34 try to, you know, play from behind again, yeah, like I'm like I'm showing up day one. Yeah, so if I could offer additional context, too. So I mean, what happened in the offseason so far was that they went and signed Malik Jackson, which people say, oh, okay, well, that's a defensive tackle and plays a different position from Chris. But, I mean, he's going to be the third-down rusher, and that means that BG doesn't rush him inside as much, and that means he's in the outside. Yeah, why, yeah, why would I? Why, why would he? I mean, all, right. and this isn't a slight on it. Like, listen, like, we're loaded, so there's got to be an odd man out. Right. And, um... And and I'm just I, I think part of it, you know, it's a number of reasons, but uh, but I'm the odd man out. That's cool. That's fine. Right. Well, Michael so, Bennett was too. Um, yeah. Well, to start the season, I was. Um, right. Right. And things just kind of slowly. Don't worry, I, I got the odd man out thing on lock. <laughs> that's one thing. I, that's one thing in the tail end of your career, you get pretty good at being so. Um, that's just kind of, that's kind of it. I mean, like, you know, it's, there's nothing spectacular to say. There's nothing, uh, groundbreaking. There's no like definitive thing I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm retiring, like, but I just, I really value the fans in Philly. And I think if you get on Twitter and you say this stuff, you look half crazy. Like if you do some long tweet, tweet chain, uh, and we talked about this and you were like, yeah, if you want to talk about it, if you're do an article, I was like, well, no, I'd just rather just talk, you know, so because um, the last thing I want to do is ever let, like, the city that's been so good to me think that I'm holding up, you know, this great organization by not making a decision, and I basically just... We're holding out for more money, or holding out for... That, that was my other one that I thought was funny. Yeah, that one was that one was wild, and that's kind of why, like, listen, if, if that never happened, like I might not even say anything about it, but like that kind of drove me a little crazy to to read an article. I guess it was in like USA Today, and 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 I don't blame anybody for for like for like making that you know that that assumption. But but that's at this point in my career. Like, listen, I made money playing this game. Like, it's not about the money anymore. So I want to play for what I'm worth. I don't think I I would deserve a pay cut if you look at my production. But you know. Um, Money's more about principle now. Yeah. So um, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, like, there's nothing groundbreaking here. It's just, uh, you know, it's that, complicated. Yeah. These, these decisions are complicated. Yeah, so what's the plan now? Is it is it waiting and seeing what the resolution is? Is it What exactly is just, happening for you? Just try to figure out what I want to do. I mean, do I, do I, do I want to – I mean, like, listen, there's not really much I can do. Um, but I'll probably just, I'll probably just watch the draft, see what happens. And, you know, things can change, but at the same time, like, listen, like, you know, the important thing is that everybody's communicated clearly and, and how he has done a great job of that. Those guys, I, I got a lot of love for all those guys. So, um, you know, and, and the point is that I've communicated clearly to them as well. So it's all good. Well, that's, that's why the contract the bonus was deferred, correct? Yeah, the, and and there's like so little things happen that start to drive you crazy. Like the bonus deferred because you know I'm supposed to take some time to think about it, 
and uh, it's not a, you know it's not like I'm and everybody's like man thank you for taking a pay cut I'm like dude don't give me too much credit yeah uh, I'm not I'm not that great so um yeah no so that that that's kind of what's going on but like listen I'm you know at this age you you, you just have to be content with whatever happens um and I've kind of I'm at peace with whatever happens I've busted my ass for two years in that city and and I feel like I play good ball and it plays to help win and you know it's also a business so it's all good yeah but I mean I, I guess I'm a little surprised too because you know your production did go it did increase when you got more snaps you had maybe your best season in three or four years you had six seven snacks uh, sacks you had uh, what 20 something 20 plus quarterback hits um, yeah, no, they're good. They're good numbers, but I mean, like, I'm not trying to get ahead of Allie, but like, it, it's <laughs> Jim Schwartz, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, like, listen, like, it's an inexact science, so you can't just say like, hey, I had more sacks this year, I was better. Now, do I think I had a good second half of the year? I mean, yeah, and and I rushed well, but like, it's an inexact science. You look at somebody's age, you look at the guys you bring in, like, you have to you have to decide, you have to say, this is kind of who who I think we're going to roll with. And I just appreciate like some of the, the honesty. Right. Uh, one of the things that you and I spoke about, and I think this is really interesting though, is just that how just because, you know, you're listed as defensive end or someone else is listed as defensive end, people make these assumptions about the similarities between the two of you. And there's just so many differences about what, what pass rushers do. Yeah. And I mean, like for instance, I mean, you really are kind of like a, just an edge, right? I mean, that's your thing. I mean, that's right. Can you explain a little bit of the differences between you yeah. and different guys? And I think that yeah, the listeners probably don't understand. Well, it started with, it started because I think the other day we were talking about Frank Clark and uh, people were first like weighing the, the value of the Frank Clark trade against, uh, you know, what they were giving up for it. And I think then people were naturally making comparisons with him at D Ford and they're both really, productive rushers like you know frank was in the top uh basically five in the league in sacks last year with 13 which is a hell of a year yeah um but he's more of a true dn than d ford and that's not a knock on d ford and like what th- one thing people don't think about is like you know i think spags is is the coordinator in kansas city yeah yes Steve yeah. Spagnuolo. yeah and i played for spags i mean like you know they're gonna ask him to do things on a regular basis that you just wouldn't ask D Ford to do. Like you're going to ask him to line up head up on a tight end unless Spags' defense has changed a great deal, uh, a solid bit. And that, and that's way different than lining up in a nine. You know, I don't know what else Spags is going to do schematically, but you know, I remember in that defense, you have to slant a lot, um, which is difficult Cross a guard's face, you know, play a, play a guard face up. Um, you know, on a block out to you in the run game. Like, these are things that outside backers don't do as much. I'm not saying D can't do it, but there's just a lot of nuances. And then, like, I get an argument with a fan that tells me that Frank's not a top 10 rusher in the NFL. Well, all the metrics say he is because my claim was that he was elite. And elite to me is that means you're the best at your position. You're one of the few best at your position. Um, and when you look at the numbers and you take outside backers out of it, Frank Clark is is one of the best DNs in the league. Uh, so that's the whole discussion. And I think a lot of people don't think about like, like, listen, I, as I got older, you know, it suited me well to be in Jim's scheme where I'm in a nine a lot. I don't have to yeah. put my face down in like a four eye 
uh, much or any actually at all. But when I played in Greg Williams' scheme, you know, I was in a four eye a good bit, which means I'm inside eye of the tackle. You know, I would play in a five, a tight five. I would play in a six sometimes. And that's just a totally different ball game. Which right. is what makes which, which is what makes somebody like like BG so amazing. And that's not just in, in, in pass rush. Like if you ask BG to go run up in a four eye, he could do it. Like if you ask BG to play a three technique, he could do it. What makes him great to me is not just that he's a good edge rusher. He's also a really good inside rusher and he can play the run all up and down the line. Right. So, and for the listeners, when Chris is saying four eye or five, I mean, he's talking about the techniques of where they line up on the line uh, versus, you know, the offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's a different skill set for each, for each spot. Um, yeah, and, got, and that's what and that's what makes guys that can do a lot really impressive. Like, listen, there's nobody more spectacular to watch than Vaughn Miller. Um, and like a Vaughn Miller can probably do a lot of different stuff, but you'd be crazy to put him in a four eye. You'd be crazy to move him up and down the line, which makes and I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's a different conversation when you look at like a Miles Garrett, who like I know Miles Garrett can play a four eye. I know Miles Garrett could probably rush inside if he wanted to. Um, that's what makes his versatility really valuable. And, and that's what makes the differences between each position. Like there's no better edge rusher in the league than Von Miller, but there's guys that are different. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I think you're probably, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to put you in Von Miller's class. And I don't know. Maybe you are, but like, I mean, yes, I think style lot is here a lot. I mean, Von rushes a lot from the two point stance. I mean, you do, you do as well. Well, two point stance. Sometimes, you, if you're old, you don't feel like you're down a straight. But, 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 but also, I think sometimes being at two point, you can you can see things a little better because a lot of times what pass rushers do, anyways, is they stand up. You know, so you're skipping a wasted half second. You know, vision wise. Right. You know, he needs a different scheme too. I mean, he he'll, you know, he'll drop obviously, but. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's I just wonder how they're gonna. I mean, there's there's certain things that you did that that BG doesn't do. Well, BG can do everything. I, in my opinion, yeah, but when BG they move can do it, you, you have that kind of uh, NASCAR. Yeah. Um, well, you're just gonna have to lean he- heavily on like Malik or um, whoever whoever else it is. You know, the whole idea was that like when BG moved inside. That's not to say I'm a better edge rusher than BG, but that just means that BG can do the inside stuff. And and if I'm not as good as him inside and we're apples to apples on the edge, like it's a no brainer that he rushes inside. That's what makes him so awesome is his versatility. And you got a few guys. Like, I mean, you you know, Vinny, Vinny should be a really good signing. I mean, like Vinny, Vinny can do all that stuff. I mean, um, he's not as necessarily like well known as BG, but you know he can rush really well inside. He's he's really disruptive. He can play the edge. He can he can play the run inside and out. Um, and he's versatile. Well, uh, yeah, Chris, I'd be remiss too if, if I didn't ask you about some other stuff. But real quick though, before I get to that other stuff, the odds that you're back, or give me a percent. I mean, any chance <laughs> I mean, for all the fans out there? Uh, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about me. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about me anyways. But. Um, you know, like I said, it's just kind of where it is right now, and, and, and just being honest about it, like I'm good with it, no matter what. There's no ill will. 
these last two years, no matter what happens, have been two of the favorite of my life. And uh, I wish I had been in Philly a lot earlier. Um, you know, but it just kind of is what it is. You got to look at things. You got to you got to you got to evaluate the personnel you're looking at, the things you're hearing, and then just say like, is it worth the risk on my, my body? And you know, the risk of like, not every team wins a Super Bowl. That's what you set out to do, but. You know, that makes sitting in a locker room after a playoff loss a lot worse when you're not happy with your role. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I mean, I guess I can speak for the fans. I mean, they'll, they'll always remember the two years you gave them. Uh, obviously, that the big play in the NFC Championship when you forced the interception. Uh, last year, the Houston game when you had three sacks. And obviously winning uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year for your uh, for charitable works and all the stuff that you're found. Well, it's been a lot of good moments, man. And Philly's Philly. And who knows? Maybe it's not like the end, but um, yeah. I know everybody likes to hear like a definitive, like, yeah. like, how could you not know what you're doing? I'm like, well, I know what I'd like to do, but I'm just telling you this is the situation. And sometimes you don't have control over certain things. So, you know, uh, Philly is special to me. It always will be. And I hope it's not. See you later. But um, you just, you just, the way it looks like right now, it's like, it's not looking good. And then also it's important to note that I'm not holding anybody up. Right. So, right. Uh, well, real quick, it's two topics. If you don't mind, I'm sure Zach wants to talk to you a little about Virginia U. <laughs> oh, yeah. Zach, you're Dude. far away. What was that? No, I, I, I saw too many games during the Dave Lato era and the first year of Tony Bennett. Uh, so what was that experience like being there? It was cool, man. Uh, I got real lucky. It's been a lucky couple of years, but I got real lucky um, and um, ended up on the uh, in the background of the SI shots. Yep. Uh, because my, I, I told my wife uh, after, after we won, I got to go to Minneapolis, and it was like a dream. You know, me and a couple of my former teammates, Heath Miller, who you all remember, played for the Steelers, um, John Phillips, who's still in the league as a tight end, Tom Sandy. And, you know, it's just a long time coming. Virginia sports has kind of a we're a great program, but, you know, football and basketball have a, a history of, you know, some letdowns. We're like one of those, our fan, the fan base is pretty conditioned to, to be ready for, you know, the, the shoot, the next shoe to drop, what's going to go wrong. So it was pretty special. And I told my wife, I said, uh, anything you can get when you're out at CVS or whatever, snag it like commemorative all that bs i want it all you know towels whatever um took Waylon, my son to the little parade it was a lot more tame than than our super bowl parade <laughs> but uh but it was fun and uh truth be told i i, I plopped the si's on the on the kitchen counter and i was like man that's cool and i put them away and then somebody was like hey dude did you zoom in on the background and like there we are, uh, the shot was at the end of the game, and and we're like you know twelve rows up. So that that to me is one of my greatest athletic accomplishments. Yeah, that's, it was, make, quite a, make, it was make, quite making 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 the cover was <laughs> that's up there with like you know Super Bowl rings. <laughs> and Zach, I'm not sure if you're going to enjoy this part of the conversation, but Chris, I got to talk to you about uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, you've been doing a really good job writing uh, reviews of the episodes for Sports Illustrated, and. All right, last two episodes. I kind of, I guess you kind of liked the first one. I know there were some critics that that thought it was kind of a little bit slow moving. What do you think of the second one, though? 
Well, I mean, nobody died in the second. So, so that First was time as, ever, I, right? as I wrote about it was like the third. I think it was it was the first time in five years that nobody's died. And I'm not talking like a lot of people were like, "Whoa, nobody died in the first one." Well, no characters died in the first one, but Dion got on the boat with a couple of his homeboys, like off five people. So it was quick and it was irrelevant, but you know, people died. But I think both of these are just huge buildup episodes, right? I mean, like this next one. I read something as 80 minutes of just straight battle and it's like the longest continuous battle in cinematic or TV show history. So, um, it's pretty wild. I mean, you know, they're, they're producing these things like they're, they're feature films. Um, so we're pretty spoiled right now. Um, what are your your odds for people who go, uh, I think Jon Snow's going to die soon. Really? Yeah, I do. And 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 I wish it was Danny, because um, I can't stand uh, Daenerys. I don't like uh, another character really. I mean, I like John more than Danny, but well, Danny to me, like I'm 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 like on the I'm on Team Sansa, because she's just her character has like trended towards like you know being more powerful, more wise, more like cunning, like all in a good way. I'm with um, you. And she's like grown up, and Danny. Like I read something where somebody said Danny can't she she can't rule without being like a savior and there's no one to save in Winterfell, so like it's awkward for her. She so she so she's just left to be like power hungry. You know, and like you could see it when John broke the news to her, it wasn't like, Oh, okay, well let's let's try to survive and then we'll work it out. It's like she was angry with him. Or like, like you're he, my nephew. Yeah, <laughs> and she, having sex. Well, no, in in the Targaryen family, that's not a problem. Yeah, because they're all inbred. That's true, but you know, I mean, uh, you know. I think, my thing with Sansa, Sansa's learned from everybody over over the entire series. Like, yeah. you know, with Danny's kind of been, you know, her own. Oh, she doesn't life. learn. Yeah, and, lots, and Sansa, you know, was, she got a little bit of from Cersei. She got a little bit of from uh, Tyrion. She got, I mean, she got, she got it from everybody. You know, Littlefinger yes. for everybody in there. So I think she's the most well rounded. And I also think Littlefinger is going to come back. I wrote a little bit about that, but I really just linked this, like, uh, this conspiracy wormhole that, um, you know, there was the scene where he was basically found out and the walls were closing in and, and Arya and uh, Sansa were, like, pissed at him and he knew he was he was probably in trouble. He was at Winterfell. And there was a scene where him and this woman in a corridor were, like, whispering. And if you turn the volume up, you know, now he's from Bravos, right? Yeah. Which which is which is where the faceless men train. Uh-huh. Um so so this woman who doesn't have a role anywhere else walks up and he's being approached, so it's kinda of like background noise, but she goes, Your time's up. And he hands her a coin, which is like looks a lot like one of those faceless men coins. But you can click the link in my, my article, but um yeah. you see me plug in the article, but um so, so he says, so the theory is that, that she took his face and became him and he got to escape. And then that's when like Arya and Sansa killed him. Well, Arya cut his throat. But another thing is like Littlefinger never begged for his life. Like there's like four situations where he almost got killed and he was like, do what you want. Like, you know, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Littlefinger. I'm a badass. Like, but he begged for his life. So there's this whole theory that she didn't know how to act like him exactly 
and she had his face, and he's going to come back. I don't know what he's going to do, but I like that series. He did, he did weep like a baby when he was trying to save his life there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was like Littlefinger, just as a, a great evil character. He's uh, perfect for the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, they lost a little bit when he left. Yeah, they I definitely did. It was, like too, it was too early. You want to hear my top ten for who may die at uh, Battle Winterfell? Oh, well, Tormund's going to die, but go ahead. Number one, Grey Worm. He's a goner. Oh yeah. Once he mentioned the beach, you knew you knew it was, it was the end. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like Carlito. He's he's a goner. Yeah. yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. I hate that reference because I, I really hated that for uh, for uh, for De Niro. Um, no, no, Pacino. Pacino, sorry. Barrack. Uh, huh? Barrack is gone. Yeah, probably. I think Brienne's gonna die this this uh, Sunday. Ah, I hate you hate to see that. I just think the girl arc is she, she got you know she got the one thing she wanted. Jamie's gonna die. Maybe Jamie, except for Jamie. Jamie's gonna die. Uh, I think Jamie still has to uh, face uh, Cersei. No, I think Arya's gonna take. Here's what I want to happen. I want Arya to take his face and then kill Cersei with his face on. I'm big on the, like, people wearing other people's faces. Like, this is, like, yeah, I, <laughs> I really hope that that the um, the crypt gets overrun by, like, dead Starks. Um, I don't know if you saw that whole theory. It's, yeah. Like, the Night King's going to raise them. And you had some people that said, like, listen, you know, they're, they're all entombed, like, or concrete around them, like these catacombs. They're, like, mummified. And, and how are they going to get out? I mean, like, you know, and that makes sense. I get it. But you also have people telling me that these, that, that the army of the dead are going to walk across the ocean on the ocean floor to the Iron Islands. So, like, I don't know what the rules are with these guys. And if, and if they can swim, why is there a wall? Right. They could have, uh, right. I mean, we all know what happened when John went to uh, Hardhorn, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they exactly. could, they've been swim there, right? Yeah, but then you got people saying they had to they had to go underwater to tether that dragon to pull it out. Yeah, yeah. That could just be a bad like plot hole. Yeah. Um, I think I think I think uh, I think King King's Landing is like is is screwed as we speak, and I think they're dividing and conquering, and there's going to be nowhere. And I think like a few characters that they need to escape will escape. But that's the Iron Islands. Maybe. Dragonstone. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, it's all it's all pretty uh, uh, interesting, and I think tomorrow, this Sunday is going to be one of the biggest episodes in TV history. Dude, it's going to be it's going to be so epic. It's, it's not. It's like I'm I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped. Cool. All right. Well, uh, uh, well, we'll read about your reviews and uh, uh, the rest of the reviews in SI. Uh, I guess what. Four more episodes, so we'll, we'll definitely uh, stay in tune. That Zach, thanks for tag, tagging along for our Game of Thrones talk. Yeah, I, I now know what people think when I talk about like the, the sixth round of the draft because that that that's kind of what it sounded like to me. <laughs> it sounded like the sixth round. Uh, uh, I don't know the same amount of people. Actually, no, probably the same amount of people watched the sixth round as they do Game of Thrones. So no, I think I think more people watch Game of Thrones, don't you think? Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But yeah. you know, the nuts. there's a lot of nuts out there. Yeah. All right, Chris, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all. Um, and I'll see you uh, around Philly one way or another. 
Yep, yep. All right, guys, uh, that's it for the Birds Out View podcast. Thanks to Chris Long. Uh, if you want to read about our draft coverage, uh, go to philly.com slash eagles. Uh, that's Zach Berman. I'm Jeff McClain. We'll talk to you again.